You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Often Jesus, before he would speak, would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Why does he say that? Doesn't everybody hear? Didn't everybody hear it? Everybody hear? You you raised your hand. You hear me? Well, what am I sowing? I'm sowing the word. But not everybody that hears the word really hears it. If you don't do it, you haven't heard it. James 1, 22, don't merely listen to the word. Do what it says. You don't do what it says, you haven't really heard it. We've probably all heard the saying, in one ear and out the other. This saying reminds us that while a person may be physically listening, they may not actually be taking in what you're saying. And in today's message, Pastor Danny will remind you that sometimes people can do the same thing with the Word of God. They may be physically hearing it, or they've been hearing it, but they haven't made any changes to their lives. This can be frustrating, but remember that the Word of God always impacts eventually. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 4, as he begins his message, The Parable of the Soils. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake, the lake of Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee. That's what we better know it as. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. I love that verse. I love to try it sometime. The crowd is so large, he gets into a boat. And the boat becomes a floating pulpit. And I don't know if you know, but the water would help to amplify his words so that people could hear what he has to say. Verse 2, he taught them many things by parables. A reminder, a parable is a story that relates everyday life. And a parable is not meant to hide something. It's meant to illumine what is attempted to be communicated. And of course, here it's truth that Jesus is looking to communicate. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, and here's one of the parables. Notice how it opens. Listen, exclamation point. There's an emphasis there by Jesus to the crowd. Listen. You'll see why in a minute. A farmer went out to sow his seed. This was a a culture where there's a lot of farming. So they would have, they would have known. They would have related As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. 
Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Some translations say it wasn't thorns, it was weeds, but it's the same idea, thorns or weeds. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That takes us back to the opening word, listen, exclamation point. Now, I'm going to ask everybody uh, to help me out on this for a minute, all right? And, and please help me out on this. Everybody that's listening right now, everybody here, if you can hear my voice, come on now, please do this. Would you just raise your hand? Hold it up. Keep it up for a minute. Everybody. Now hold it up because I want to see if anybody doesn't have a hand up. Hold them up. As far as I can tell, everybody in the middle here, everybody right here, even way in the back, way in the back. As far as I can tell, every hand up. Okay, put your hands down. So as far as I can tell, everybody here, and uh, you know, we got a great amplification system so that it helps you to hear me. We know from verse 13, which we'll get to in a minute, and also Luke's account of this particular parable, Luke 8 verse 11, we know, and it is not debatable, that the seed in the parable represents the Word of God. I'm amazed at what I get to do every week. I, I really am. I pinch myself and go, really, you? You get to do this? What do I get to do? I get to sow seed. I get to sow the Word of God. And, and it's a crowd. This is a crowd. I would call this a crowd. And I don't know most of you. And I'm, here it goes. There's seed. It's going out. And if you can hear, the seed goes out. Everybody that can hear. But not everybody that hears will hear. It is what it is. Often Jesus, before he would speak, would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Why does he say that? Doesn't everybody hear? Didn't everybody hear it? Everybody hear? You, you raised your hand. You hear me. Well, what am I sowing? I'm sowing the word. But not everybody that hears the word really hears it. If you don't do it, you haven't heard it. James 1, don't merely listen to the word. Do what it says. If you don't do what it says, you haven't really heard it. Verse 10. When he was alone, the 12 and others around him asked him about the parables. Parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everyone, everything is said in parables. Why? Because a parable helps them to understand. But then he says, so that, and he quotes Isaiah 6, they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be healed, or turn and be forgiven. That, this verse says, turn and be forgiven. Now, that almost sounds like the opposite of what I just said. The parable helps them to see and hear and understand. And yet this verse, if you don't understand this verse, seems like God's tricking them. Oh, yeah, you'll hear it, but you won't really hear it. Oh, yeah, you'll see it, but you won't really see it because it's hidden. No, it means exactly the opposite. Here's what happens. Because in the prophecy, please note that they, they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing. 
That's not just hearing one time, seeing one time. That's, that's, those are people who've heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it, but they don't get it. And what happens with people that hear it and hear it and hear it and don't get it, I'm coming right back to Mark, but Acts chapter 28, the apostle Paul also quoting from Isaiah's prophecy, but he adds a little emphasis here. Verse 26, go to this people and say, you'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, that's repent, and I'd heal them. Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Oh, I'm so thankful for the grace and mercy of God in dealing with our dullness. He's saying, if you don't get this parable, you won't get it at all. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things. There's your fill-in-the-blank moment. Come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Genesis 2-7 will always amaze me. I know you're looking, you're turning. Genesis 2-7, let me just tell you what it is. It's the verse that says, when God created the first man, he formed man from the dirt, or some translations, the dust, but same thing, the dirt of the ground. And I'm not trying to be funny, but it is funny. Why? Because when God fashioned the first man, before God breathed into him the breath of life, he was just a dirtbag. I'm not trying to be funny, but it is funny. God created man from the dirt of the ground. Then it says he breathed into man and man became a living being. It was the breath of God that gave him a soul, mind, will, and emotion. It was the breath of God that gave him a spirit. We're a trichotomy. We're spirit beings who live in a body and we possess a soul, mind, will, and emotion. But it's fascinating to me. Without God, we're just dirtbags. And how relevant is that to this parable and this teaching? Someone, I don't know who did it, a long time ago dubbed this parable the parable of the sower. I don't think that's the best classification for this parable. A better one would be the parable of the seed. Because the seed is key. It's not the, the sower that's the key. 
Anybody can sow. I'm sowing. I'm insignificant. It's what I'm sowing. That's what's significant. It's the word. So it's better to say it's a parable of the seed. But I think the best, the best is this is the parable of the soils. Because the seed is the same. The sower can be whoever. The seed is the same. The seed is the word of God. And we're all dirtbags. What kind of dirtbag? They're different kind of soils. And how you respond to the seed sown depends on the type of soil you are. And so I think it would be good if we want to really hear and understand the message that Jesus is giving through this parable. Let's look at the soils. The first is the soil on the path. What happens to soil on a path? It gets walked on. What happens when it gets walked on? It gets compacted. What is it when it gets compacted? Here's what it is. It's hardened soil. That's why the devil can so easily come and take the word that's sown on that path, and he can easily snatch it away. I, I bet it happens here every single week. I bet it happens in every church service where the word of God is being sown. I mean, there are people that say, well, I hope he doesn't go over time today. And all they're doing is thinking about the clock. And, and you know what? They'll be back again next week. They'll be back again. But nothing different in their life. They come to church. They attend church. And where do you go to church? Oh, I go to Calvary Chapel or wherever it might be. But they're hardened. Now, they might not be out here living some hellish life, you know. They may be upstanding, uh, you know, respected citizens in the community, and they're churchgoers, and they believe in God. But, I mean, the Word is not really having an impact in their life. Why? Because, like the prophecy in Isaiah, it's it just they've heard it and heard it and heard it. Here he goes again. Here he goes again. I've heard it. Makes no difference. You can grow up hearing it. But I think also the soil on the path, I think it also represents not just the religious person who just hears the truth and just goes one in ear and out the other. I, I think it also can be the person that's most likely not in this church service this morning. And they don't want to go into a church service because they don't hear anything about God. Yeah, you say he's a God of love. If God of love never allowed what happened in my life. You know what happened to me? You're going to tell me he's a God of love? And because of negative life experiences, they have become hardened. They don't want to hear the truth. Now, it doesn't matter for which type of hard soil, whether it's the religious person, the, the person in church that hears it every week, you know, or the person out here that's had the negative life experience, the answer for this type of soil is the same. You know what it is? Jeremiah, break up your unplowed ground. And that's painful. And it's interesting that the person who's hardened because of negative life experiences, it may take a more negative life experience to actually get their attention. Hosea says the same thing. Break up your unplowed ground for it's time to seek the Lord. In other words, there's time that's gone on now and you become hardened. Hey, now God's doing a plowing 
Why? Because it's time for you to seek the Lord. Time for you to stop going the way you're going. Psalm 119, I didn't think about when I put in my notes, but I know this, Psalm 119, the longest of the Psalms, longest chapter in the Bible too is Psalm 119, and it's all about the word, the seed. And it's interesting, right in the middle of Psalm 119, the psalmist writes, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Interesting. The affliction, what was that? Well, we don't know exactly what detail, but that's plowing. That's what the affliction is. And the affliction actually did what God intended and got their attention and they responded correctly to the word. And now they're walking in obedience. First Corinthians 11, Paul talks about in the context of the Lord's table, some people come and they, they take of the Lord's table, but they do so in an unworthy manner. In other words, they really, their hearts really aren't right. That's what he's saying. And he says, as a result, some of you are weak and sick, and some have fallen asleep. And then he goes on to say, if we're disciplined, and, and those things he's talking about are, are acts of discipline by the Lord, and he's doing that and allowing that in our lives so that we will not be condemned with the world. Those things, that's God breaking up, plowing. Amos, in, in Israel's history, God did some things again and again to try to get their attention in their waywardness. And in the ministry of Amos, listen to what he writes in chapter 4 of Amos. Verse 6, this is the Lord talking. I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town. Yet you've not returned to me, declares the Lord. He's saying, I, I, I did this and I set this up to try to get your attention so that you'd repent. Then verse 7, I also withheld rain from you when the harvest was still three months away, yet you've not returned to me. And if you notice, if you read this and just listen to it, it goes from a light plowing to a heavier plowing. Verse 9, many times I struck your gardens and vineyards. I struck them with blight and mildew. Locusts devoured your fig and olive trees. In the context of that culture, what that's saying is something happened with your finances. And all of a sudden, your, your purse had a hole in it, and your wallet had a hole in it, and all of a sudden, your finances dipped, and you had no control over it. That's what happened. And God, God worked that out to try to get their attention. Yet you've not returned to me, says the Lord. Verse 10, gets worse. I sent plagues among you as I did to Egypt. Now it's physical infirmity. I killed you young men with the sword. Now there's death in the family. Yet you've not returned to me. And then the last one, catch this. I overthrew some of you as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. That's some pretty heavy plowing. You were like a burning stick, snatched from the fire. What does that mean practically? I'll tell you what it means. There was a tragedy and people you know and maybe people you went to school with and people you worked with and people maybe that lived in your neighborhood and maybe even some of your own family. They died in a tragedy and you survived. And God is saying, now you need to get right with me before it happens to you. Yet you've not returned to me. And the last verse in that context Therefore, this is what I will tell you. And because I will do this, prepare to meet your God. The next soil is interesting. 
It's the soil in rocky places, but it's not rocky. It's not a rocky place you see the rocks with your naked eye. It's a like a ledge of limestone just below the surface. So there's a, a thin layer of soil and then a ledge or a rocky area below it. And that kind of environment and that type of soil uh, produces a hotbed for rapid germination so that the plants come up quickly and they grow quickly. But because there's no root, when it hits high noon, the sun scorches the plant and it withers. I've been doing this for a long time now. I've seen the hard soil and I've seen the rocky soil. These people, man, they respond and they accept Christ and they, they man, they're like, they're testifying for the Lord. They're getting involved in everything, you know, and, and, and these type of people, these type of people can, can make even me convicted. They make you feel like I'm lukewarm compared to them. I mean, they are just, they are just on it, man. And they are out there and you just go, man, they are just on fire. And then the testing hits. And you go, hey, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. Oh, didn't you hear? And you go, really? Not them. They were so on fire. They were so involved. What happened? I don't know if you're aware, but let me just inform you. The testing is going to come. There's nothing you can do about it. And you have to have testing. Why? For a lot of reasons. Testing proves your genuineness. 1 Peter chapter 1. These trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. It proves who's the real deal and who's not. Testing is necessary if your roots are going to go down and you become, become established. Not easily moved. And that's what James says. Although James, James says it the way we don't like to hear it. Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Amen. Because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature. You got to get through the tough time. And it will come. Testing reveals the impurities of the heart. And they're there in every one of us. Let me read you from Deuteronomy chapter 8. As God led the children of Israel in the wilderness wanderings, he's looking to teach them. And he says in verse 2 of Deuteronomy 8, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Now, please, I need to say this every time I read this. God's not looking to find out what's in their heart. He knows what's in every heart. He wants them to know what's in their heart so they can let him deal with it. Whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Manna is Christ, supernatural food, which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word, there's the seed, every word that comes from the mouth of God the Lord.
Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today as he walks us through the book of Mark. This New Testament gospel book conveys a fast-paced progression of events that occurred during Jesus' ministry. It's almost as if the writer intended to communicate that Jesus was continually forward-thinking toward the cross and his mission and purpose here on earth. In Mark 10.45, it says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the ultimate summary of the book of Mark. Jesus came humbly as a servant to reach the lost. Are you feeling lost today? Or have you been found and are following Jesus fully now? No matter what your answer is, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Let us know how you heard about the living word and how we can be praying for you. That address again is info at ccfstpete.church. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us and hear from Pastor Danny at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're holding services each Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. You'll find all the information you need on our website, ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that you'll join us again for our next edition, right here on The Living Word.